Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. Thanks, Dean. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast, where we amplify Wisconsin music. This week, I talk with Noah Likas from the band American Restless, and also has performed with the band Silent Comedy. Noah grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, and son of local great musician Gary Likas. Noah left Wisconsin probably almost a decade ago, but he and his two groups are going to be back in Wisconsin in the middle of May, May 12th to be exact, at Shank Hall. Opening up for them will be Milwaukee band Alley Eyes. This is going to be billed as the hometown show for Noah and his groups, and it's also going to be an album release show for American Restless and Alley Eyes. All the musicians that performed on the American Restless album are Racine natives, so it's going to be a lot of great music that's going to be being played at Shank Hall, and it's also going to be the album release for Alley Eyes as well for their upcoming album called Things That Go Bump in the Night. Also, when we get closer to the May 12th gig at Shank Hall with all three great bands, I'm going to have Joshua from Silent Comedy come on and talk about their group as well. But for right now, let's get into the conversation with Noah. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll talk with you after the conversation. Thanks. Noah, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Tell the listeners a little bit about how you got started. Obviously, you know, your dad being a musician, that helps it. But what kind of like really got you to, to become, you know, the musician you are today? Um, uh, well, the, the, the shorter answer, I mean, that's a probably a long answer, right? But the shorter answer is like, well, my dad had a guitar shop in Racine. But before that, he was just a gigging musician. And uh, like I used to help him carry his organ. And, you know, like I was always always thought it was pretty cool. And then the, like the pivotal moment actually is I I remember getting a, I had done some chores and my mom took me to uh, target on a Saturday and I had saved up enough money doing like chores and different stuff to buy two cassette tapes. Um, I bought buddy, how he lives. And I bought the best of Chuck Berry both on a cassette because I'd heard it on the radio and no particular place to go. And that'll be the day where like the coolest songs that I thought I had ever heard in my life as a kid. And I mean, I was like seven or something, you know, I was really, I was pretty young, but I just thought that was the coolest stuff, guitar music. And then um, I believe if my memory's correct, Roy Edwards made a tape of songs for my dad to learn for some gigs. Cause they played together always. Right. And it had like, man, like a bunch of blues stuff on it, like tore down and, um, not like the Clapton version, but like, you know, the old, yeah. older versions of stuff. And, um, and I loved that tape and I just would wear those things out. So, I mean, that was like the real early on was it just rockabilly and blues guitar playing. I thought was just the coolest. <laughs> I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And then with my dad being an organ player, I didn't really want to play keys. So I started on drums cause I thought, Roy was cool. Um, so I was going to be like him. And then I took lessons for a while playing drums. And I just, what was hard about drums is like, you needed friends. Like you needed a band, you needed someone to play with. Like it wasn't fun to like just sit and play drums by myself that or at least at the time. I mean, now as like an older musician, I, if I wanted to learn how to play drums now, I would, I would really think of it differently, but as like a seven-year-old, I'm just like, what am I going to do with this? 
or an eight-year-old or something. So yeah. somewhere around, somewhere around, I think they made me stick with the drums for a bit. <laughs> and then by seventh grade, I switched to the guitar largely because of Kurt Cobain and uh, Sonic Youth and all that kind of music. Yeah. It was guitar time. I mean, it was the early, it was the early nineties and guitars were, you know, uh, there was nothing cooler, right. Than a Fender guitar. So <clears throat> I switched to that and then, yeah, I just kind of never looked back, but I mean, my dad had a lot to do with it. My mom was, uh, it, you know, she still is, but she was a huge, like Bob Dylan fan, Neil Young fan. So we had all that in the house. And, and then my dad was a huge, like, rhythm and blues guy so you know all the stacks and wilson pickett and um anything like that you know he he used to love all that music um so you just hear all that stuff and i don't know i mean still to this day what's cooler you know like i i can't imagine choosing between playing the guitar and being like you know being an accountant you know what i mean like i just yeah. like the the guitar was the coolest thing to me and it still is like i still like if i see um like charlie parr or a guy like that who just sits and plays a resonator by himself mm -hmm. i just i still think that's the coolest thing ever like john lee hooker sitting on stage by himself playing a song he's just like what's cooler than that like right i still think it's the ultimate so um i think that's more i mean that's kind of how i got into music but yeah i mean you know and then my dad had the guitar shop. And so I just lived in the back room there on Taylor Avenue, just trying to put together <laughs> guitars out of parts and like learning how everything worked. And then everyone who came in would teach you a lick or show you something. And then you kind of just amass, you know, I was just like a sponge, you know? So I just, anything somebody wanted me to learn, I would try to learn like Joe Gagin used to show me guitar licks all the time. And yeah. like, my people were really incredible players mike derose um you know just people who really were proficient guitar players would yeah. just sit down and go like oh do you know this jimmy page lick and i'd be like who you know right then i had started i gotten into all these old older blues guys and rockabilly music and so the whole like 70s thing i think it was just like the age that i was because the whole 70s thing like Led Zeppelin and like 60s, 70s Led Zeppelin and kind of like the who and stuff like that. It was all lost on me. It was just like what they played on the oldies radio station. Like I liked the old stuff, like from the 50s and, and the 40s. And then I liked all like the 90s grunge metal stuff yeah. like that. So a lot of those guys turned me on to like everything that happened between those because I wasn't really like. I just didn't really think of it, you know, like as I just didn't, I, I, you know, but you're 13 or whatever. You can't, you can only absorb so much. Like yeah, you're not right. going to like learn about every single kind of music, you know? No, it's but, a lifelong yeah. journey. Oh, for sure. And there's so much stuff that like, like for me as like a 16 year old, like I was listening to Fugazi and like punk music and stuff. And like, I thought that the Grateful Dead was like, was terrible. Like, I, I didn't understand why anybody would like that. And then 10, 15 years later, you hear a song and you go like, whoa, that's a really amazing song. Like, whose song is that? And then you like, and you find out like, oh, well, the Grateful Dead actually had some really great songs. Mm -hmm. But when you're a teenager, you, you get turned on or turned off to music by the culture that it represents. And for me, like jam band culture was just like one of the least attractive things ever as a teenager. I just like... Like I just had no interest in it. <laughs> so, um, but now, you know, I could go see Derek trucks play or something and you know, it's like, it's, it's an amazing thing, you know? Yeah. So um, it takes time to, to, to get all, all the doors open. But definitely the first thing was like that early, like Chuck Berry and still to this day, like that, his guitar playing, I don't know what's cooler. Like those big, like two no bends and, double stops and stuff like what i mean i don't know what sounds better you know <laughs> like sounds awesome yeah exactly exactly um, and then you know with your you know your dad being in bands and you learning music and um you living in racine i mean obviously there's certain venues that you were performing 
at that you enjoyed. I mean, I know that you play like at George's and stuff like that. So are you still doing like that kind of stuff where you're, where you're living now, or are you kind of doing a different route with performing? Um, different now. I don't play a lot of, a lot of like tap rooms and stuff these days. Um, I mean, well, you know, it's been the bizarro world since COVID. It's like, it's not really like the only thing I've done during COVID is fly in dates and mostly outdoor festivals and stuff. But, um, like in a normal, (laughs) in a normal world, I would still play, like, I still play like some pickup gigs and stuff at like breweries or, you know, different kind of smaller, um, venues like that for sure. Uh, it's just since COVID it's been, it's just been too, it's like, like, like the logistics, you know, but also Racine when I was in my early twenties, there, there was a lot of like, you know, cause like you would play George's, you'd play Schilling's, you'd play the Ivanhoe, um, Evelyn's like, there was a lot of different places you could play for the bar world. But then even yeah. like back when I was a teenager, they had a ton of all ages shows. They used to do all ages shows at the Eagles club. They did them at Memorial hall, even back when I was in middle school and high mm-hmm. school. They did them at like all the churches would let you throw like in all ages shows, like what, like the YMCA did them, you know? Yeah. So as like a teenager, like we played all those. Well, I didn't play all of them, but I played a, a, a fair share of them. St. Rita's, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. we all do these all ages shows. And so that was really, really beneficial. You know, I played the first time I ever played a show was I was 13. I played at the, Eagles club in Racine and we did, you know, we did our, our own music and we're objectively terrible. I'm sure. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, got hooked. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, now you're talking about, you know, you do flying gigs and stuff like that. So are you like doing like freelance playing with different groups or do you, you know, what are you playing? Who are you playing with yeah. now? And you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, there's a band out of San Diego, uh, called the silent comedy. And I've been playing with them for like eight years or something now. Um, okay. I'm, I'm like an auxiliary member. I, I play live with them and show up on some of the recordings and stuff. Um, but, uh, their core band is like four people and then they need a second guitar player, um, live for a lot of the stuff. So I'm kind of part of the live show and, uh, so I've been doing that and I do that as often as I can. I don't make it to every single show, but I do as many of them as I, I can. Um, and then I have my own band, American Restless, that we're getting back off the ground, um, which you recorded us once years ago. But uh, yeah, we're, we're getting that going again. And that's with all racing people. And we're recording that in Nashville though. Um, with a friend. And so nice. Yeah, that's getting off the ground. And so hopefully next year we'll be doing that quite a bit. We have some shows in October coming up for, for that. Um, but uh there's all the details are still being worked out, but we'll be down south, like Georgia, Nashville area. So um yeah, we'll see. But yeah, we're mostly just doing with the silent comedy like the last few years. Before the pandemic, I was doing more pick updates and playing with more people as kind of, as kind of things happened. And I'm still open to that. Of course, like if, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to like play with people live or to record with people or, you know, I've been pretty fortunate to get to play with some pretty cool folks. So I'm always open to, <laughs> you know, seeing, seeing what can happen with that. But um, yeah, it definitely got pared down because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of just mostly, you know, like the last run that we did last weekend, we were in Montana and that was with the silent comedy. So we did a, a couple, um, basically there's a big festival out there that we played and then we did a couple support dates with it that were kind of with some of the festival people, which was awesome. You know, yeah. it was really, really fun and didn't have to fly. So, so it was nice. Got to drive out bring my own amp you know <laughs> right right so and, and with with the band um did you say that you 
you played on some of the recordings or just live straight? Um, I played on a couple of the recordings. I played on the um, their last album. I played on a couple songs. There's a, a song on their last album called Heaven and Hell. And I played like some lead, like um, Elmore James kind of slide guitar stuff on that. Cool.
And then um, they had a song called California Queen, which I, I played um, kind of lead on that one as well on the last album. But yeah, I don't play on all the recordings, just the ones where they need right thing that I do that they don't. I mean, there's um, like the band's got a banjo player and it's got a guitar player. So a lot of real estate is covered, you know, so it's just when they need a little extra something. How did you uh, meet up with these guys? Um, so I was living in California and um, a friend of both of ours, Elijah, was playing guitar for them. And he was uh, moving on to focus on some other projects. He was kind of doing what I'm doing now, which is just kind of playing live and playing on some of the recordings. And um, so we were at a gig at the Troubadour in LA and he had just off the Cuff kind of mentioned he was going to be moving on to do some other stuff. And um, I was just like, well, if you are, throw my name in the ring. Like, I, I would love to play with him. And he did. And um, the drummer of the band, Chad, and I had met and we kind of, you know, we didn't become friendship, but we were friendly, I guess. And yeah. so when Elijah, I think, mentioned me and Chad knew who I was and stuff, then it sort of got me in the door. But the first gigs I played with them, we did a double, we did two nights at the Casbah in San Diego. And so they were doing different sets both nights. So I had to learn like 40 songs for the for the audition. 
I showed up to audition and I had just learned like 40 songs and uh, had some charts that I wrote and, you know, I mean, right. Kind of went for it, but it worked out. And so we did those first two gigs and we've been playing ever since. So it was really, um, it's kind of the way everything happens, right? It's like you're prepared when the opportunity shows up. Exactly. Exactly. And so is that what these guys do basically, you know, is just tour or are they like this like a side project for them and they they work 40 hour jobs or something like that um i mean everybody everybody that i know who plays music has something they do with it like i don't know anybody like i don't know anybody who just like gets up and practices guitar for a living um but they it just depends on the tour cycle and, and the year for them. So there's years where there's years where it's kind of more paramount. And then there's years where they focus on other things more. Um, but everybody has multiple uh, things that they want to be doing. Like, so for me, I work as a writer and then I play a guitar for bands or like, you know, I don't want to not write. Right. <laughs> like, right also don't want to not play music so i'm so it's constantly like some years it's more writing some years it's more music and you're just constantly finding that balance some of the other guys uh like you know one guy brews beer and he's really into that and he works for a really cool brewery and like so so he's balancing that another guy is a director and he works on a lot of film stuff and uh, another guy is um does like audio work and so it's like everyone has stuff that they also like to do so it's it's a balance you know but on years where things are really happening and they're touring hard then you know you can't you can't work 40 hours a week right and then years like covid i mean the last the last two years everyone has focused on their other projects because you know you can't go play live and even for most of covid like even getting in the studio together was like really hard impossible you know um so yeah it's a the answer is some of both i guess you know right. but and where did you um where did you guys record or where did you record uh, your parts for, for their albums they recorded the album in austin texas um and then they just re- they just recorded again um some new tracks in in uh I, th- I think it was in fort worth maybe or dallas i'm not sure what city they were in exactly might have been austin i don't know anyways i wasn't there so <laughs> okay <laughs> but they- i recorded guitar in san diego last time i just recorded at their rehearsal spot that they okay. used to have and then um yeah just played through uh Played through a vintage Fender Deluxe amp and cranked it up and let it rip. <laughs> nice. This new recording for American Restless comes out. We can have you come back on and and talk a, you know more about that project. Yeah, that's a really cool one too because all the guys are racing guys. So Arjuna Contreras is on drums and um, he's racing. Most notably, Reverend Horton Heat's drummer. He plays with uh, JD McPherson. Like he plays with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, very great drummer. And then um, Ian Grant, who has been a friend of mine. You've you have definitely met Ian uh, over the years, but he's been I've been friends with him since first grade. So he's a tremendous bass player. Um, yeah, just I mean, honestly, one of the best bass players I've ever played with. Um, just hands down so he's on it and then um and then i i think my dad's gonna gonna throw down some uh keys on one or two tracks and then uh yeah so it's fun it's all racing and um nice to get something out there i mean some of these songs we've been you know i've had and there's some new ones and so it's been we it's been a work in progress for like a decade (laughs) but it just life happens you know i I started i I started playing with all these other people and doing stuff and it just seemed like was never the right time to like 
dial things back and focus on, on my own stuff again. And so with the with the pandemic, we had a little forced forced break. And so I started digging through demos and working out, get, you know, guitar riffs and things that I had and just and I was like, well, I think I have an album here. And uh, so I I got a hold of Ian and was basically just like, hey, I don't want to do this unless you want to do it. Like I want it like either we're going to do this together and we're going to figure this out or like I'm just going to leave this stuff in the vaults, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then he was in and so we just started figuring it out and Arjuna jumped on board for, for the album um, and it was kind of like, but, and the thing that also started it off was uh, Gerald Mershart, who's also a racing guy. He's a UFC fighter, but he started walking out to Cadillac Head, which was a song that I, I recorded with you. Mm-hmm. He started walking out to it in the UFC and it was like, it just felt like everything was sort of lining up to like, man, we got to try to do this thing. And so, um, yeah, we just kind of dove in and now we're meeting with management and talking to booking people and you know it's just all the stuff that you do and um yeah we'll see what happens you know it could uh it could go or it could crash and burn but that's half the fun you know (laughs) right yeah you never know but you know if you got management you know talking about management and you know stuff like that i mean at least that's you're starting to create your foundation totally yeah there there's only so much you can do yourself when it's not lucrative enough to only focus on it so like if it was you know if you were making 100 grand a year being in a band and that's all you had to think about like that would be one thing but like when you still have to figure out playing with other people and freelance work and all that it's really hard to to put the time in that it takes to get anywhere. So having the right team is super important. Plus like, if you're just, I don't know, one of the hard lessons when I was younger was like, if I was the most successful person in my orbit, like that was, that's like a difficult place to be in. Right. And not talented or not successful, meaning accomplishment, but just like having the biggest reach. Like if I know the most people out of everyone in my orbit like it's just harder to like find those new partners and those new collaborators and creative i mean from a business standpoint it's important right to keep growing and to meeting people but from even just a creative standpoint like you you need to keep getting turned on to new stuff and seeing bands live and hearing new records and having good conversations with people and so it's like if you can't you're not you know growing in those ways too it's just everything gets harder you know so um and i certainly that was one of the downsides of playing solo is you go play shows and stuff and you're you drive there by yourself you sit at the bar by yourself you play by yourself you know like maybe you have small talk with one or two people but it's way harder and also like if you've ever gone to go see like a solo artist play it's way more intimidating to go up and talk to them because they just feel standoffish because they're by themselves even yeah. if it's weird to talk to somebody you know what I mean? <laughs> whereas like if you see a band and they're kind of bullshitting but you know you can go oh okay i i could just go get into the cut here with them and like you know chop it up but um if, right. it's, just, if it's just like a dude standing there by himself like <laughs> a lot harder to go like broach that uh so so you end up by yourself a lot and uh it's much harder to like grow your network in a sincere way or like an like a in a way that's truly beneficial which is like making real friends not just trying to make business contacts and mm-hmm. stuff well yeah you're trying to build your own community around your music and that's hard to do if you're the only one doing all the work totally yeah and nobody likes to hear people talk about themselves you know so right. like i mean like <laughs> nobody wants you to walk up to them at a show and tell them how great you are like nobody wants that. But if your friend goes up and tells them how good their friend is and whatever, then it's like, you're kind of more open to that, you know? Right. Like, so it's just, I mean, there's a social part of all of it. That's like 
you know, one of the harder things was like playing in, you know, there's been bands when I was younger, especially playing in where just having to learn that, like you are your audience, you know, like it, it, if you wouldn't respond to it, then why you expect someone else to, you know, it's like, it's a hard thing. So if I'm out at a show or if I'm doing something and I'm approaching somebody in a way that I wouldn't want to be approached, like that's kind of the life lesson, right? It's like, yeah. I don't want someone coming up to me asking for a favor necessarily when I just met them. So probably when you play with Derek trucks, the move isn't to ask him if he needs a new saxophone player, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably, <laughs> right. like, like the move is probably just to say, Hey, what's up, man? Good to meet you. you right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I would never do something like that. <laughs> that's just, that's just weird. Yeah. Totally. Hey, hey Derek, awesome. Need a sax player? Not to him, but I, I've seen people do it for sure. Yeah, see, I've seen people come up and ask for yeah, ask for all all, all kinds of weird stuff. But um, you know, anyways, I don't know. We're sort of off track now, but I just that was one of the things that now with this, you know, doing American Restless this time, we're really a lot of focus on like involving the right people and forging the right partnerships and like just making sure that we're doing it in a way that's sustainable for this stage in life, you know, cause right. in our forties, like we're not like, we can't just, can't just go after things in the same way that I would have in my twenties, you know? So part of it is just being smart enough to build the right team of people to try to uh, accomplish clear goals. <laughs> right, right, right. So you said you're going to do this down in Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, except for that uh, one saxophone part that Gerald's going to record with you. Yeah, otherwise the rest of it's all in Nashville. And when are you going to do that? Um, well, we already did. We have scratch, scratch guitar stuff done and the drums are all done. So we're going to head back down there pretty quick to do bass and guitar next. And then, um, then... Gerald's going to do a saxophone thing with you. My dad will record keys probably at his house. Um, or he said he's got a friend who's got a studio out there by him. So I think he might just go there to do it. Cool. And um, then I'll go back to Nashville to finish vocals. And uh, that should be it. We're really hoping to get it done by the end of the year. But um, yeah, the, the rule is everyone who plays on it's from racine so that's the <laughs> yeah it's too bad too because there's a lot of other racing people that i would love to feature but we're just not at a point where that's possible yet that's what that's what feature albums are for right i i have always it's always been a dream and my dad and i have talked about it so many times about putting together like a racing uh show band and review like concert or album yeah. and like we've lost so many people now, like passed away, rest in peace. Uh, Roy Edwards passed away, rest in peace. And like these, I mean, people who were really important to me, like these are like Roy was my uncle, you know, like yeah. I mean, extremely close. Um, I actually got to see him probably less than a year before he passed away. He was in Coles, and I just happened to be in Coles for and he you know we would start talking and he and he told me what was going on i was like man i am so sorry dude you know that's that's shit man yeah no i was really hard and then um yeah it was really hard and then yeah hog passed away just this past year did he i didn't hear about yeah which i mean hog was one of those guys who when i was younger he let me play behind him at the blues jams and he would just, man, there's a great, there's a great story about hog. We were at this, uh, we were at, I don't know what it was, Salmonorama or something, you know, Harbor Fest. I don't know. Some, right. Something like that. Yeah. And there's a band from like, I don't know where they were from Milwaukee or something, but they were like, you know, one of the kind of hotter regional blues bands. And I'm sitting there watching them play. And, um, it's actually better. I can't remember who, who they are because it's, you know, better not to name drop people, but um, I really can't think of who they were though. Anyway. So, so the band's playing, they're playing like a Freddie King song or something. Right. 
and hog walks up next to me and he's just standing and i'm just standing there having a beer watching them and he just like walks up he's just kind of standing there next to me and he kind of starts talking to me and he used to always call me gary jr <laughs> so he would just call me gary jr and uh and so he's like do you know what's wrong with this song and i'm like and i was like well the uh, i was like well the shuffle's not right like it's not the it's not the right shuffle beat and then he's like yeah but you know why it's not the right shuffle beat you know and i'm paraphrasing this isn't literally right good. right and i'm like no and, and he's like well the ride symbol is supposed to be 16th notes not not eighth notes and i listened to it and and i was like holy crap like you're right you know but that's like i don't think people understood how good of a musician hog was like he was a really really incredible musician and like when you saw him at like blues jams and stuff and playing with people it's like i don't think people understood i think he was very underappreciated like because he there was a couple times in, in my life that he like broke down something like that for me and he just like taught me how to like listen listen to like the pieces that make the puzzle better you know yeah um he also once that stage turned the volume on my guitar down while i, I was playing <laughs> <laughs> oh man he, he just turned around and he grabbed the volume knob on the guitar and he turned it down oh yeah I, I i was like 18. i was mortified he was super cool though like he didn't like he wasn't mad about it yeah right. and he like talked to me afterwards and explained like hey this is this is what you this is what you need to do when you're playing with me and all right yes sir you know all right exactly <laughs> thank you thanks for the lesson but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll never forget that you know he was also a guy though where like you know i'd show up with like a vox ac30 and like a telecaster and he'd have like a strat copy through a solid state marshall amp and his tone would wipe me off the wipe me off the stage you know and he's just like i don't know what i don't know that guy was magic man he could he was my favorite out of all the local kind of blues bands and guys i just yeah. he was my favorite like i just thought he was the best you know um he was also the nicest to me probably so, so i could be partial but he was great nothing yeah. wrong with that you know <laughs> yeah why but why do you want to be surrounded by people who who don't want to be around you <laughs> that's true yeah i mean most of the like, local racing music scene i found very um just very open and kind like I, I didn't really have any of those issues of like you know everyone was like real open to me but i came in real young and i came in real eager to learn and i think that that helped you know um i'm sure some people thought i was annoying but what are you gonna do you know you can't please everybody no for that. sure yeah for sure but yeah there's a lot of those guys like every sunday night at the george's jam i mean i was down there every sunday for yeah. hours for years every single sunday just playing behind anyone that would let me play like whether it was me and jake or like the rhythm dogs guys or um james carradine you know he was always one of, one of my favorites too he was great um he still is great ho hopefully um i haven't talked to him in a long time but uh yeah all those guys you know um yeah, it was awesome it was just it was such a great learning experience but that helps you when you go out later and then you get a call to go play with somebody and you you learned you know you've learned already how to like how to just fall in place you know all right, right. Here, okay i can um, cause the instinct when you get on stage with somebody new is to try to impress them and that's the wrong, yeah. the wrong move. And I've made the wrong move. Like I've, I think I could, a lot of people have, <laughs> I could tell you stories about people who I pissed off by accident, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, we can leave out, we can leave those names out of here, but, um, yeah, definitely. There's a few times I crashed and burned pretty bad trying my hardest, you know, like really sincerely trying to add value to the situation and do things and, uh, you know so it's a learning it's never ending learning process you know that's for sure but it's that's why it's fun if it was easy i don't know if it would be as fun you know right right you know you want to be challenged you want to challenge yourself you want to grow and there's only certain ways to do that and crash and burn is definitely one of them yeah and there's nothing like you know jumping on stage with like 
people who have a language that you don't know yet and then having to like decode it and find your spot like i remember even playing sometimes with like eddie muniz and like guys who were more like jazz guys you know Mm -hmm. and just like because i'm not a jazz guy i mean i love jazz music and i listen to it and i'm a fan of it but i don't Mm -hmm. i don't attempt i don't it's not like it's it was never what i was excited to play or what i wanted to learn how to play um i i also like i'm not a big jazz guitar fan so i think if i would have been a horn player or something i would have probably gotten into it because i love like to listen to a coltrane or stuff like that you know but like yeah. the only like jazz guitar players i really love are guys who are kind of like jazz adjacent you know what i mean like like kenny burrell or something you know what i mean right, like, yeah like it's like he's he's a jazz guitarist and grant green's a jazz guitarist and i love grant green but it's kind of like it's, there's there's enough blues and stuff in it that i have something to grab hold of whereas like for me listening to like um i don't know i can't think of somebody right now but more of like the out there kind of jazz guys i don't i don't, I don't get as into but playing with like eddie or someone like that it was great because he would just call like a herbie hancock song and then you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Like, right. not call out the chord changes, not nothing. You're just, well, this is a, a standard. Okay. <laughs> Use your ear and see what you can do. Yeah, totally. And then, and then, like after the song, you're like, oh, what song was that? And he's like, oh, that was Maiden Voyage. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Maiden Voyage to to me. But all right, cool you know <laughs> yeah you know but you know those are the, those are those lessons that just helps you improve cuz either if you're going to go down that road you're either going to pick it up real quick with your ear or you're going to go and listen to it so the next time something like that happens you feel a little bit more prepared totally yeah and it only takes i mean unfortunately it's like the same thing they say about stand up comics it's like it's like it's like bombing is part of it's part of the craft you know what i mean and there is something about like with music at least for me um you know and like joe kennedy's got a a book that he did about how to jam and sit in with people and Mm -hmm. like um and joe kennedy was one too that like 15 was showing up and was virtuoso he's just a virtuoso player you know yeah um and so, but there is just a part of like, you got to just get in there and get going. And if you don't, you know, but just, I guess, I mean, that's not really true. I guess the point is like, it depends on what you want. If you want to be on stage with people, play, like playing with people, then the only way to do it is to get on stage and play with people. There's not really like, right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Instagram is full of these like influencer <laughs> musicians who have like the, like the same lick and i don't know why all of them have to shake the neck of the guitar so much when they play a lick like that's what i don't understand every instagram guitar lick is just like a guy hitting one note doing like a doing like a descending bend of it and then shaking the neck as much as possible it's like what is going on here but um (laughs) but that's a different thing than getting up and playing a song right right it's definitely it's cool to learn some of the tricks and to have some of those flashy moves for when you do get your four bars of, uh, four, four bars of showing off, but you know, just getting up there and playing. I mean, I, I feel like that was what I was the most lucky to have was opportunities to get up and play when I didn't know how yet. And then mm-hmm. just the willingness to do it is kind of half the battle. You know, I certainly had a lot of friends who would never go down to the blues jam or never want to, they just would never want to do that and that's okay too you right. know but for me it's made all the difference the fact that i was willing to do that stuff and you know um yeah gotten to play with fun people because of it you know you know but my dad always says or he used to always tell me too and he, i'm sure he still says this but he but he used to always tell me he say well if you don't do the gig you know what's going to happen nothing but if you do the gig you have no idea what's going to happen and that was always kind of my mentality and that's something that my dad definitely taught me just go play and see what happens, you know, Um, try to have fun with it. So that's kind of, yeah, COVID and all that. 
I still try to maintain that <laughs> mentality as much as I can. Just go try to do the thing and just see how it goes. See if exactly, it's exactly. And I think that's perfect where we should end this part of the conversation that's going to go live when I put this up. But I think that's a perfect spot where we should end at least this conversation until we meet up again when your American Restless recording starts coming out. Yeah, that should, I'm hoping it's by the end of the year. Um, that's what our goal is. You know, there's a couple, there's finishing the album and then there's all the business stuff that has to get sorted out and timelines. And we were, we were talking with a record label and, you know, I mean, there's just a few, there's like just, decisions that have to be made that are easier to make once the record's done <laughs> right exactly so this conversation took back in july and now that it is mid-december um that album is pretty much done they're putting the finishing touches on it and there's going to be a release of this album the tuesday before the shank hall gig so it's going to come out on the 9th of may and then the hometown show is going to be may 12th at shank hall uh, there will be tickets available, so look for it on American Restless's Instagram page, also here on the Wisconsin Music Podcast website. I'll post it on there as well, and also on my Instagram and Facebook pages. And we really want to get this show promoted. I'm not getting paid from the bands or anything like that. I just believe in amplifying great music. And if you have a show out there that you'd like me to talk about, send me an email over to Wisconsin Music Podcast and put upcoming gigs in the email subject and I will help promote some of your gigs out there. Tag your gigs in Instagram and I will repost them. And same thing on the Wisconsin Music Podcast Facebook page um, and group. Actually, there's a group, uh, Wisconsin Music Podcast group um, where people talk about the great music of Wisconsin. You can put your shows on there. Don't overly post them, but you know, a week before, or a couple days before the gig, post them on there, go right ahead. Don't oversaturate, all right? No one's going to get any much of attention of their gigs. Once again, thank you so much for listening in. It's much appreciated having everyone out there helping promote Wisconsin musicians out there. Have a great week, everybody. Happy holidays to everyone. And we'll see you in the new year. Have a great one. Bye.